you think of anything tackier or more ill-timed during a pandemic when NHL franchises, including the local one, are making zero dollars than to suggest that they offer a player a major extension? Well, here I go. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. We are most unfortunately no closer to having any clue when hockey will return. They're talking about early February. They're talking about mid-January. The official date is still January 1. Um, I'll believe any of that when I see not that date, but when they set an actual date for training camps. That's when these things get real, when you get players in uniform, on ice, and protocols, and everything else. That's when I'll believe it. In the interim, in the interim, news is scant and scarce, so it was wonderful to see over the weekend that our Hall of Fame hockey reporter, Dave Molinari, got exclusive information that the Penguins are looking into a long-term extension for John Marino that ran in our Friday Insider feature last week. And it got me thinking for all of about .0001 seconds as to whether or not that would be a good idea. It would be a spectacular idea, and I don't offer that lightly or casually. Um, anybody who's read my writing or seen me on TV or listened on radio or here or whatever knows that I don't overhype kids. Uh, I don't look at minor league performance or junior performance or whatever it is and equate that into something at the NHL or any big league level. But that's not what we saw from Marino in the 2019-20 to 20 season. We saw something extraordinary. Marino wasn't just one of the very best rookies in the NHL. He also was just within the Pittsburgh context arguably the team's most consistent performer, I was going to say on defense, but really at any position. I mean, you just knew what you were going to get from this kid night after night at all quadrants of the rink. It didn't matter who he was partnered with. It didn't matter if he was power play, PK, 5-on-5, 4-on-4, whatever it was, whatever the situation was, up two goals, down two goals, there was nothing that moved him. He's unflappable. Um, he's as smart as you'd expect from a Harvard kid, but he's also hockey smart. He's got all of the physical attributes that you'd want in a big-time number one defenseman. And you know what else? I didn't use that term by accident because he's going to be the number one defenseman. He's going to be the one who takes the baton from Chris Letang at some point, probably in the near future. 
heck, depending on how these things play out and depending on how much opportunity he gets on the power play, that might happen really, really soon. The kid is that good. He is as close as you come to a sure investment. Now, from the investment standpoint, here's why this is relevant. Marino's set to make $925,000 in this coming season, whatever it is that you want to call this season, if it's just the 2021 season or whatever, after which he can become a restricted free agent who does not have arbitration rights. That means it, slicing through the legalese, the Penguins keep his rights. Somebody else would have to match the contract. It's kind of a pain, but you don't lose guys who are restricted free agents if you want to keep them. Still, you got to pay. You got to pay. The difference now, the difference if you go and you approach Marino and his representation now, is that you can make a difference on his current salary. You can make a difference on the 925, or you can include uh, a signing bonus toward the next contract. Uh, it's going to hurt you cap wise. This year, but the Penguins have a little bit of space there. They could probably pull it off. But the other thing that you're giving the kid, and again, he's only been in the NHL for a year. And on top of that, he's only been in the pros for a year. Remember, he went straight from college to Pittsburgh. No minor leagues. This is the first time he was ever paid to play hockey. You have a chance to go to this kid and say to him, uh, you know, Johnny, we trust you. Uh, we love what we've seen of you. We believe in you. We want you to be here in Pittsburgh for a long time. We also want to give you guaranteed dollars. That's security. That's peace of mind. If he has some kind of major injury or something like that, he doesn't have to sweat it. He doesn't have to think of his you know, career being uh, at risk or, or worse if it's really serious in vain. He's guaranteed X amount of dollars. That can be a win-win between the player and the team. Jim Rutherford hasn't always signed great contracts with the Penguins, but you know what he has done really well? He's recognized the younger players that he's had who he's wanted to keep and paid them accordingly and in turn saved the Penguins a ton of money. And you know I'm talking about the Jake Gensel contract. He signed Jake, boom, right off the bat after the first year in the first cup. Why? Because he saw what he was doing. He believed in it. He knew that it was real. He recognized this kid's ability to be a consistent performer in the NHL. That's what you look for more than anything else. You don't predict stardom. Uh, you don't anticipate stardom. You don't have to. What you need to make sure is that your dollar investment isn't going to go poof on you. Jake ends up being a 40-goal scorer. Do you have any idea how very gone Jake would already be if Rutherford and Gensel hadn't signed that contract when they did. You want another one? This one took some criticism. Brian Rust. Whoa, why are they paying Rusty $3 million a year? Why? He's not worth that. He's a third liner. He's a fourth liner. 
you know, he went so many games without scoring a goal uh, and whatever else here, doesn't get on special teams. What did Rusty do about that this past season? He was on a 30-goal pace before the virus hit. 30-goal pace. I've made an argument. It's fallen on mostly deaf ears, but I've made an argument that Rusty was the team's MVP last season based on the fact that he rose above his own level more than anyone else on the team. Of course Evgeny Malkin was the best player on the team. Of course Sidney Crosby is Sidney Crosby and all that other stuff. No one rose above the way Russ did. And now, guess what? He's still operating on the same contract. Looks like a pretty good value. These are good deals when you're confident in them. You don't do them all the time. You don't take gambles all the time. There are some players, including younger players, that you say to yourself, ah, did it once. Let's see a little bit more. But Rutherford has taken certain players that he's learned to trust very, very quickly. I mean, I'm omitting here that he just did this with Marcus Pedersen this past summer. They loved Marcus from the first 10 games he played in Pittsburgh after the trade with Anaheim. Couldn't believe they got him for Daniel Sprung. Couldn't believe it. And then they paid up early, early. They've got Marcus Pedersen wrapped up. They believe in him. That'll help them in the cap in the long run. It's a short-term hit. These things always are. But it's a win-win if you do it smartly. And I know firsthand, and intimately so, how strongly John Marino feels about wanting to spend his career with the Penguins and in Pittsburgh. Uh, He is a pretty strong-willed kid in addition to being smart. He knows where he wants to be. He knows it's here. It's easy for me to say, again, hey, Penguins, go spend uh, you know, however much money it would cost them right now to sign Marino to an extension when they currently have a, you know, an empty building and a lot of workers still uh, laid off or working under pay cuts or other adverse conditions. So I'm not conflating these two things here. Just in the hockey sense, signing John Marino to a long-term extension would be a wonderful move for the Pittsburgh Penguins. When we come back, I'll be joined by the author of that article, Mr. Molinari. Welcome back. Joined by Hall of Fame hockey writer Dave Molinari of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And and Dave, there's been these scant smatterings of news slash developments slash conjecture as it relates to the NHL coming back. What are you picking up and what's your feel here? Well, it, it sounds for now like the league has all but officially abandoned the idea of coming back. Uh, on January 1st, which has been its target date for several months now uh, for for starting games. It seems as if a uh, a start in mid to late January 
looks more viable at, at this point with, with training camps probably opening around the first of the year, uh, possibly a few days earlier, if as seems likely, uh, they decide to give a, a few day, extra days of camp to the seven teams that didn't qualify for the postseason, you know, back in back in the summer. Yeah, uh, extra Red Wings camp, basically. Uh, a lot of that, mm. them and the Senators and other teams, we forget uh, that they didn't participate. They were among the seven teams that did not participate in the 2014 tournament last year, although it could reasonably be argued that others – that went and participated didn't also participate. Uh, yes, I think there's a pretty good example of that. <laughs> well, they, and, but the thing is, the Penguins at least had a camp, though. That that's kind of the point. Like the Red Wings didn't come back and have a camp, you know. Oh, uh, that that's true. I mean, it's obviously it's true of all all seven teams that didn't qualify for the postseason. My contention, though, is that those seven teams, the roster, their rosters at this point are not the same as they would have been when those camps were held back in the summer. Uh, so I think you're actually giving those teams an unfair competitive advantage because right. their personnel is not the same now as, as it would have been you know, three or four months ago. Uh, you're actually giving them a head start on the season. You know, Detroit has a lot of new players. Ottawa has a lot of new players. Uh, I'm not uh, suggesting that any of these teams are going to take these extra few days of training camp, uh, assuming they get them, and uh, you know make a serious run at, at a Stanley Cup. But but I don't necessarily buy that they should get extra camp time just because they weren't able to have a couple of weeks of workout before the postseason. Dave, among the many things that the NHL isn't good at, it's generally speaking, it's keeping secrets. And yet, here we are still without a date, without the divisions, you know, like other than the Canadian division, which we only know from going to school. <laughs> and we don't know the number of games. Uh, there's almost nothing that's leaked out. And it's inconceivable to me that at least at the Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, maybe even Board of Governors level, that they actually know these things. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. I, th I think there are still a number of scenarios, uh, you know, for how many games they will play, when the actual start date would be, uh, whether they will go to kind of a mini hub set up with, a, you know, uh, perhaps one central location for each division. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit surprised that we haven't heard anything firm about the makeup of the divisions yet. Mm -hmm. But I mean, other than that, I mean, there, there's a lot that's still, you know, very much up in the air and, you know, that they have to be flexible with just because you don't know what's going to become uh, of, of the pandemic. Uh, certainly the, the trajectory of the pandemic right now uh, certainly isn't cause for optimism. No, it, it's not exactly on the way down. Let's put it that way. When you're looking at those those red spikes uh, that show up on all the graphics that are out there. Um, and that leads me to the last question I've got for you today. And that's we talk a lot about whether or not the NHL and all 31 teams can withstand um, partial crowds or no crowds, even for a part of the season. Um, the other night, 
my wife and I went to get Chinese food. It's right across uh, um, Fifth Avenue from PPG Paints Arena. And parking there on the street, which, by the way, is very easy. Uh, I looked up at the place and I thought to myself, maybe for the first time, you know, that building, maybe as much as any building in the city of Pittsburgh has just sat there empty and dormant. It's not just hockey. It's, it's, no. it's concerts, shows, everything. And when the Penguins did come back, all of their practices were in Cranberry, and then they went and played their games in Canada. The building is just sitting there empty, and the Penguins are tied to that building's revenues, I think, more than they'd like to admit. And I just, again, I wonder how they pull this off. Well, they and, and a lot of other teams. I mean, the, the Penguins are fortunate in that, you know, they have a co-owner who's a billionaire. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean Ron Burkle wants to underwrite all of the, uh, the losses that inevitably are going to accrue, uh, you know, because, because of the pandemic. But, you know, I, I think they probably are pretty well equipped, you know, to, to withstand or to absorb the losses. But, I mean, there, there's no question without, you know, without us seeing the, the books of, of these teams that, you know, there have been countless tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars of, of revenue lost, um, not only because of games that aren't being played, but a, a lot of teams, you know, manage uh, the buildings in which they play and thus they get some revenue from concerts and ice shows and, and things like that. Um, this is uh, this is really quite a, a devastating financial blow to the league, as I think it has been to, to most, probably the, the NHL more so than than the others, because it is so gate driven, you know, in, in terms of revenue. But uh, yeah, it's uh, the uh, if nothing else, when when PPG uh, Paints Arena opens up for business again, it's probably going to use a, or be in need of a a real good dusting because mm. there's been plenty of it, uh, you know, plenty of time to accumulate uh, quite a layer of it on just about everything in there. That's Dave Monera. You can read his coverage and analysis of the Penguins in the NHL only on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Thanks, Dave. My pleasure. When we come back, just one question. At Point Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Welcome back. It's time for just one question. And that segment of this particular program is brought to you by our good friends at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. These are good people managing, I was going to say a good cause. It's the best cause. There is no greater cause than helping your neighbors through 
an unprecedentedly difficult time like what we're having right now. If you want to find out what you can do for the food bank and for the one in seven people in our region right now who don't know where their next meal is coming from, visit the website growsharethrive.org. For a limited time, every $10 gets matched by an additional $5. And if that doesn't sound like it's much to you, consider this. The way the food bank does business, the way they prepare meals, $1 is all it takes to provide food for up to five meals. Think about that. Think about where your 10 bucks would go there if each dollar provides five meals and then it's matched by an additional 50%. GrowShareThrive.org. Today's question comes all the way from Sweden by someone who just goes by 21 Pittsburgh. So at least over in Sweden, they understand the importance of 21 to our city. (laughs) He or she asks, who is the best Swedish player to ever have played for the Penguins? And he throws out Shell Samuelson, Ulf Samuelson, Thomas Sandstrom, or someone else. Well, I have two ways to answer this question. No, no, no. Let's do three. The biggest impact upon arrival was Ulfi's. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, You know, I I lived through that. I watched Ulfi transform the way people perceived, the way opponents perceived playing the Penguins. They were always that soft team that you could kind of push around, have your way with, and Ulfi distracted everybody to the point of blinding hatred, and it took away a lot of the attention and a lot of the, the, the garbage that used to happen to Mario, to Yager, and the other stars. Ulfi changed that. Ulfi uh, had an impact, an immediate impact. The next way that I can answer this is that the most talented player from Sweden to ever play for the Penguins, at the risk of opening an old wound, was Marcus Nasland. The fact that he ended up getting traded in Craig Patrick's worst trade by a million miles to the Canucks for Alex Stoyanov, who was a a big, tough guy winger who filled something of a would have, I should say, filled something of a need at the time that he was acquired in 96 uh, from the Canucks. And then he got hurt in a car accident, and, and that was it for Stoyanov. Marcus, of course, went on to become not only the captain in Vancouver, but also just an elite performer in the National Hockey League for a very, very long time. So when we're talking about talent in Swedes, uh, even though Marcus wasn't here anywhere near long enough uh, to anyone's liking, uh, he was the most talented. Uh, The best, though. And answer your question, the best is somebody you didn't even name. Where was Patrick Hornquist on your list? Come on, man. We're not going to do that to Hornquist already? He's only been gone from the organization for a couple months. I'm not going to allow that to happen here. Uh, This is a player who, befitting what I just said about Olfi, came here and kind of changed the culture. This was a team that when they were eliminated by the Boston Bruins uh, in the Eastern Conference Final weren't coming within 40 yards of Tuka Rask. 
Hornquist came in and immediately started attacking the net. He opened up lanes for everybody on the roster. He changed the way people thought about the Penguins. And if that wasn't enough for you, how about all the goals he scored? How about all the enemies he made? And oh, yeah, how about that goal? How about that goal in Nashville? Uh, There's no Swede. (laughs) There's no Swede, including with uh, much, much respect as an aside to my man, Johan Hedberg, there's no Swede in Pittsburgh hockey history to match Patrick Hornquist. Thanks so much for listening today. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.